Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't it wonderful to be here today? Amen. Amen. It's great to be here in the house of the Lord. Uh, yeah, Let's uh, bow our heads for prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you. God, as we begin this service today, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We come together as one people at one, as, with one heart at one table, worshiping the one and true Lord, Jesus Christ, as our Savior. And as we do this, we join together with the ones that are across this United States and uh, you know, the ones that are across uh, you know, the state of South Carolina and the community of Rock Hill. God, we join together to worship you. And God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would receive our worship and our songs and words as a sweet incense unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today is the, oh, man, I almost fell off. Today is the second Sunday in the Advent, and this is the Sunday of peace. In Isaiah, he tells us that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And we know that in today that peace shines in the midst of the darkness as all the stress and things of this world. That peace, uh, you know, and Jesus Christ does shine through in our lives. So as we light the candle of peace and keep it lit, we allow that light to shine within our lives because of Jesus Christ and because of what he has done for us. As we wait for the earth to receive her king and for the king of kings and the Lord of lords to return again, we wait with anticipation, but we also have peace in those moments of waiting. Let us bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you, dear Lord, for your peace that you give to us. We thank you, God, that as we wait for your promises to come true, God, that again, your Son, Jesus Christ, God, as he comes back, dear Lord, that we wait in your peace and God, that that peace transforms our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I would invite you to stand as we join our praise and worship team this morning in praising and worshiping God this morning. Sing, I heard. I heard it all. like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he brought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me Oh, 
cause the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he brought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me and I knew him and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. I heard about a mansion. I heard about a mansion He has built for me in glory And I heard about the streets of gold Beyond the crystal sea About the angels singing And the old redemption story And some sweet day I'll sing out there The song of victory Oh, victory Aren't you thankful for that victory this morning? When you think about it too, as we're getting into this time of year and this time of season, the victory began with the birth of Jesus Christ. Because as he was coming into this world to save us, that victory was ever approaching closer and near. And it's just, it's just, it's wonderful to think about when you think of that song, you could just compare it to everything that has been done, not only for us, but just, I don't know, it's just amazing, it's phenomenal. We've got this song that we're going to sing. I love the words of it. It's called Peace Has Come. You may have not heard it in a while, but we're going to go through the chorus together so that we can be familiar with the song so we can sing it and play. But I want you to listen to these words more so. I want you to sing it, praise it, feel it, because it's just powerful. So let's go with the chorus. Oh, hear the angel voices sing, come, let us adore For our King is with us. Talks about peace and Jesus being with us. So let's sing this song. Behold the star. Behold the star of Bethlehem. The word of God has become flesh. Unto us a child is born, the Savior of this broken world. Sing, oh, hear, oh, hear the angel voices. Sing, come, let us adore him. Peace has come. For our King is with us. 
God, fully God, and fully man, he comes for all with open hands, he rules with love on David's throne, all praise belongs to Christ alone.
talk about the hope we have in him this morning that he is our cornerstone that we will be upon him stand on him for he is also our firm foundation and it isn't him alone let's sing it my hope is built
come with trumpet sounds Oh may I then in him be found Dressed in his righteousness alone Faultless stand before the As the altar is open this morning, you know, God's Spirit has been in this place before you even began to get ready today, and He is moving now. If there is today is a time and you have a place and a need or a desire for His peace to be poured out upon you, uh, the altar is open for you this morning. We're just going to have it open for just a brief moment. there's those that are already on their way here, let us bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we do come to you, and, and God, we do thank you, dear Lord, for the peace that you gave to us, the peace that came to this earth, dear Lord, as, as a child over 2,000 years ago. God, we thank you for that, and we praise you. God, we praise you that we can feel your mighty presence with us right now this morning. As your spirit moves, dear Lord, as he moves in and out of the pews and in and out of the lives, dear Lord, of the people that are here. God, I pray that they would open up their hearts and they would open up their ears to hear what you would have for us to hear. And God, that we would allow your spirit, dear Lord, to move and to transform our lives. Oh, dear Heavenly Father that we would receive your peace, dear Lord, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning is the second Sunday of Advent. And as we continue in our series in Let the Earth Receive Her King, I want us to look and to turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, and in 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 15, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 15. Now, I know that this is a strange passage of Scripture for Christmas. This is a passage of scripture that most of the time, whenever you heard someone speak on this or teach on this, that they would be teaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ. As all it does start off with, the words that tells us that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day and that he is going to return. But if you would go to the passage of scripture just prior to that, and begin with verse 5, I'm going to read some of that for you to kind of set the stage or to give you the platform on this, because we are really not too far away from this passage of Scripture as far as where we are right now. But we have to understand that in this particular time, hadn't been that long ago, that Jesus Christ had died and was crucified on the cross, buried, and then three days later rose again. 
and spoke to the disciples and taught the disciples for 40 days. It's really not even that long after Pentecost, the beginning of the church, that we find that Peter is writing this. And it gives us here in verse 5 why Peter is actually writing this. It kind of clues us in. It says, most importantly, I'm sorry, that was verse 3. Let's go to verse 5 where I told you. Verse 5, it says, And he brought the earth out of the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And the same, and, and by the same word, the present heavens and earth had been sto- stored up from fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when godly people will be, or the un, when ungodly people will be destroyed. So whenever we look at this, you see here in this first part, it says that they have deliberately forgotten that God had made the heavens and the earth. Uh, you know, there are many things that we see in our days today that God has been forgotten. Uh, you know, we know and through school we see that schools, uh, you know, they taught and have been and are teaching evolution instead of creation. They are some people and some scientists even say are saying now that they do believe that there is a, uh, you know, a designer or someone that has designed this world, but they still kind of refuse to give God the credit. There's somebody better out there or bigger than us that's out there, but they refuse to say that it's actually God. That's exactly where they are here, and this is really shortly after the death of Christ. But I also want to take you this morning to Acts chapter 6 and 7, chapter 6, 7, and 8. And in chapter 6 and 7, we have this beautiful message that Stephen gave to us. Now, Stephen is under, uh, you know, he is... Uh, being falsely accused, and he is standing in front of the Sanhedrin court, the same way that Jesus stood in front of the court. But for some reason here, Stephen is being asked, or in this message that he is giving to them, you can kind of picture this and see that the, the Sanhedrins and the religious leaders were most probably standing there or sitting there And they were most probably trying to pat themselves on the back as Stephen was talking about them being the children and, uh, you know, whose children they were. All the way up to the end of chapter 7 where he tells them that they are really not the children of their forefathers, which their forefathers would have been Abraham, Jacob, and Moses, uh, you know, and all the, the patriarchs. And he tells them, he says, you know, he says, y'all are stiff-necked, hard-hearted, brutes of vipers, and you are sons of your father, but your father is Satan. And that is whenever they take the first day of Pentecost, over over 3,000 people were saved and were brought into the church, right? Would you not like to see a revival like that, where that many people just simply flooded the, the altars and turned their lives over to God? 
I don't know if I would like to be the pastor of about 12 or 13 and then all of a sudden I'm the pastor of over 3,000 people. Don't know if I would like that one. But I would love to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and see that many people saved. Not too shortly after that you see that John and Peter are arrested and they're put in prison for speaking, for preaching the word of God, right? They went into the courts and they talked to the, uh, you know, to the Sanhedrins and the Sanhedrins did nothing but warn them. And then the next time we get this and we, we find here that now all of the disciples have been arrested. And they are all now sitting in the jail and they come in and they bring them in front of the Uh, in front of the courts once again, and they talk to him, and they tell him, they say, now do not speak in the name of God anymore, or in the name of Jesus Christ anymore. And if you don't do that, you'll be okay. And that's whenever, uh, you know, Peter steps up, and he says, look, he says, it's better for us to speak of God, or speak of Jesus Christ, and to obey him than it is to obey you. So they get flogged. So you see, you see the progression, okay? So what's happened is, is that now to speak about God, they're beginning to be persecuted. So they are brought into the courts and they are told not to speak of Jesus Christ anymore. The next time they're brought into the courts and they're told not to speak of Jesus Christ anymore. But on top of that, they flog them. Now, of course, you don't know if you, in case you don't know what flogging is, that's they have these bamboo sticks that are kind of broken and stuff, and they'll hitch over the back with these bamboo sticks. I don't know if you've ever been hit by a bamboo stick, but if you run around in the woods too long in Louisiana, you'll get hit by a bamboo stick. Trust me, growing up as a kid, I've been hit by many bamboo sticks. Uh, you know, unwillingly, they hurt. But then we come in and we find Stephen. Stephen stands here and Stephen is the first martyr of Jesus Christ. He is the first one that makes this stand and is killed because of the stand. What Stephen said is not all that different from what Jesus had told them. Stephen is standing in front of a court, falsely accused, just like Jesus was. Stephen is stoned to death, but he's stoned to death because he tells the people the truth. Flat out, right? He says, you and what you are doing shows whose child you are. And you are not a child of God. Your father is Satan. And that's whenever he gets stoned. So for us, we get this and we, in this, we see the progression of the, of the, you know, of, of the persecution of the Christians. But at this point in time, the Christians fled. They fled Jerusalem. And they began to go out, and wherever they went, they still spoke about Jesus Christ. Now, 
that speaking about Jesus Christ is going to come into play a little bit further on in the message. But it's been dispersed, and because of the persecution, and because of the thought process of the world and where the world is, Peter now has to write this particular passage of Scripture. So let's get here, and let's see what Peter is actually giving to us, because there's things for us to learn as far as how we are supposed to live this life. Beginning with verse 8. It says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as an unexpected as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heaven heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. So everything around us is going to be destroyed like this. What the holy or what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set heaven afire and the elements will, be melt, will melt away in the flame. So what God has for us and what we see in this is that God again, there again, we are seeing this picture that even though the people have decided that God really isn't true or God is not here and and the promises of his return really isn't going to happen. As we see this unfolding, Peter comes up and he steps in. And he assures them that the promises of God will happen. So we, as the people here, we find ourselves in this moment of already, but not yet. Jesus Christ has already came. Our hope, our peace has already came as a child. God incarnated, living amongst us. It's already happened. His kingdom has already came to this earth. But we're not yet there. So we're in this time frame that we have to work through and we have to understand that although Jesus Christ and his kingdom is here, and our hope and our peace that he provides for us, even though it's here, we still have struggles. We still have heartaches. We still have issues in our lives. But this text reveals to us that the promise of hope that God gives to us 
is and will come true. That he hasn't forgotten about it. Remember, the Israelites were in bondage in slavery with Egypt for 400 years. And he still came and rescued them. Last week we talked about their bondage in, uh, you know, by Babylon. And how God said that, uh, you know, that they would be there for 70 years. And after the 70 years, the Syrian government came in and allowed them to be free. There again, his promises came true. But yet the struggles were still there. How many of you, well, how many of you struggle with peace during Christmas time? Come on, raise your hand for me, please. Uh, you know, how many of you are, are just full of peace whenever you're running through the stores trying to find this very, per, the perfect gift, right? Okay, so how many of you are on your Amazon app and peace is just overwhelming you and you have tears running down your face as you flip through that app and find the perfect gift? Oh, so none of y'all were raising y'all's hands then? I, you know, I understand, I, you know, I get this. Uh, you know, Peggy and I, uh, for the last, I would say three years, maybe two years. Well, okay, it's got to be longer than that because we've had cable because of the apartment complex makes us have cable. Don't understand that one, but we, we have to have cable. Uh, so at Thanksgiving Day, we begin watching all Christmas movies. So we'll watch at least one Christmas movie every night from Thanksgiving Day all the way up to Christmas. Sometimes we'll you know, get early and we'll watch two of them. It always, it never fails that in that movie, that somewhere in that movie, the pretty lady is going to kiss a handsome guy and it's going to start snowing. Right? Hey, yo, come on, think about the Christmas movies that you watch. I watched one in California last night. Okay, Well, I wasn't in California, but the movie was made in California. And the, the guy kissed the girl and it started snowing in California. Now, of course, the guy was up on the roof shaking a box with fake snow in it. But still, and now, I don't know, you might have to turn your, depends on your hearing, you might have to turn your TV up really loud. But whenever they kiss, you'll hear this little, you know, like the, you know, the, the magical you know, sound, you'll hear that. Come on now. Christmas time is a time for peace, but I tell you what, it's nothing but a struggle out there shopping right now. I don't know how many times Friday I walked into a store and forgot my mask and had to turn around and go back to the truck, right? I, you know, it's like, oh man, I, I almost fell out laughing one time. I had remembered to put my mask on and I come walking by and this young lady, she's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I forgot it again. Walking right past me. I was like, yep, there you go, baby. I'm like, I got it. Now, you know, you do not go shopping now just simply just to waste time and go shopping, right? Because you got to put the mask on. If you're going into a store, there's a specific reason why you're going into that store. Christmas no longer talks about peace, right? Uh, you know, are you, I, I, I can see some of the wheels turning that you're already thinking about Christmas Day to see if you have the right gift 
or if the turkey's going to be prepared right, or if the candied yams are going to be right, or, or whatever you're cooking, you're still you're stressing over it already, right? There's no peace Christmas time. Uh, you know, what about the lost loved ones that we yet stage or point in this world? Because we know that Jesus Christ came. We know that God created all things. And we know that the scripture and what the word says here that Jesus Christ is coming back again for us. Now, I said this in a message not too long ago, and I know that some of you got mad at me whenever I said it. Our faith is not happen chance. We don't have faith in things that are just way out there that we're just we're like, oh, I hope this happens. That is not what our faith is built on. Our faith is built on the promises of God. Because each and every promise that He has promised before, He has fulfilled each and every one of those. And because we know that, right? Because we know that He has fulfilled those promises, we know that He is going to fulfill this one. So whenever the scripture says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord, that that day will happen. That just as we talked about a couple of weeks, about three weeks ago, about the day whenever the judgment day and we all are in heaven and he separates the sheep from the goats and the sheep's going to go off into heaven and live with him for eternity and the goats are going to go off into hell, into the fiery pit of hell and live there for eternity. We know that that is going to happen. We're not hoping that it happens, and we're not hoping that I'm going to be one of the sheep that's on this other side. We know that we're going to be a sheep because we have believed in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we stand upon that. So that is our faith. It's not a faith in hope so. It's a faith in I know so, because I know what is written here, and we stand on that. So whenever we're living this world that's in total chaos because they refuse to recognize God as the sovereign God and believe in Jesus Christ as his only son that came to this earth that died on the cross and rose again on the third day to forgive us of our sins, they refuse to recognize that. One day they will, now, they will bow before him and confess that he is the Lord. Wow, just because you refuse to think it or to believe it doesn't mean that it is not so. It is so. There's proof. And we, we hang on to that. But we also have to understand that as the church and as believers, there are things that we are supposed to do. Now, Peggy and I had the opportunity to go to a Jewish uh, Sabbat service last Friday. Now, we know that Jews don't believe, or, or Jews don't believe that Jesus Christ has came back. Okay, so this was a Christian Jewish service. 
Messianic Jews that believe that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, has been born. And the preacher that was there that was talking to us and giving us the scripture and stuff, and he kind of gave us this question. He said, now what do we do or how do we deal with the Jews that still don't believe in what we're celebrating? And they, you know, they, they celebrate Hanukkah during our Christmas season and giving gifts, but they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I kind of felt cheated. Jesus Christ is Lord and that he's came already. And that whenever he comes back again, that yes, you're going to have to ask this question. And the Jews already know that they're going to have to ask the question, is this the first time that you've came or is this the second? They've prepared themselves for that. We already know that it's the second time. Whenever he comes back, it's going to be the second time. How do we get them to understand? He says, all you have to do is love them. I'm like, no, I still struggle with that. I still struggle with it today, as you can tell, possibly. There's got to be something that we do. So, here's what Peter says that we should do. Verse 14 says, And so, dear friends, while you were waiting for these things to happen, Make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless and righteous. Huh. So did you get it? Verse 15 says, And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul, with the wisdom of God. So what are we supposed to do in this already but not yet point in time in history or in our lives? Peter says we are supposed to do everything that we can to live a peaceful life. Now, I can tell by y'all's you know, posture that we're getting a little deep and too serious for too long. This is Christmas, and I'm kind of decorated as a Christmas tree, if you don't recognize that. I got my green sweater on with my red bow, bow, bow tie. I, you know, so I was going to show you my Christmas socks, but that's okay. So here we are. So let's lighten this up a little bit, okay? Uh, you know, Because this is like, it says that we are supposed to be that we're supposed to work towards living a peaceful life. Whenever you get married, how many of you fought over who folds the towels the right way? Right? You got it? Yeah. Yeah, see, Peggy, she folds hers in halves and then folds it in halves and it's done. I'm like, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You got to fold it in half, fold it in a third, and then fold it in third again. And then it fits into the into the pantry just right, right? I, you know. So what happened is is we don't argue about that anymore. She just folds them the way that I told her how to fold them, which is the right way. <laughs> now, see, if we are working 
at peace. If we are living a life that is working towards peace, then there are certain things that we fight about or that we argue about. And there are certain things that we just simply say, that's not worth it. It's not worth it for me to argue about this. It's not worth it for me to prove that I'm right. You got it? That I'm right. I folded the towels properly. My son and I ran into that opportunity yesterday as we were building the fence around his chicken coop. There's a right way to build a fence and there's a wrong way to build a fence, right? I let him build the fence the way that he wanted to build that fence because it's his fence. So I wasn't going to fight with him. Now, whenever we talk about, you know, about peace and being peaceful and working towards peace, that does not mean that we're supposed to be weak. Stephen was stoned to death because he refused to bow down before those people and to do what they were asking him to do. All of the disciples died a martyrdom's death except for John. Because they knew what was worth standing up for and fighting for. And the God on Jesus Christ. But we bend on whether or not we have to be in church every single day of the week. We bend on whether or not you have to fold the towels in thirds and then in thirds. I even allow my wife to cook oatmeal every once in a while. Although she puts it in the microwave. That's not how you cook oatmeal. But I let her do that every once in a while. But see, it tells us here that we're also supposed to be blameless. And pure. If we're not living a peaceful life. There's absolutely no way that we can be blameless. Because we have done something that was right for me that wasn't right for someone else. But now there's also something else because we cannot live a peaceful life without Jesus Christ because He is peace. And if we don't have Him within us, then we can't live a peaceful life. It's the same way if we don't have Him in us, then we can't live a blameless life or a righteous life or a pure life. We can't do it. But there's also something else that we get in here. And I want us to see, because see, the the Israelites or the Jewish nation missed it. Jesus Christ talked about and he says that salvation comes to the Jews first. But it also says that salvation comes from the Jews. It's to the Jews first and then it's from the Jews. The Jews were in captivity for 40 years with the Egyptians because they didn't trust and believe in God Alone and they worshiped other gods. 
they were enslaved by the Babylonian government for 70 years because they worshipped other idols and because they did not observe the Sabbath year and give land rest. They also went from being enslaved by the Babylonians to being enslaved by the Assyrian government, but yet sent home underneath their rule. It's because they didn't do what God had truly wanted them to do. And what God wanted them to do was He wanted them to be the light of the world and to show every nation that God was the only God that they needed to worship. That he alone is the one that created and sustains all things. That he is the one that we need to turn to for our crops to grow, for our children to flourish, for our lives to be blessed. They didn't do it. Time and time again they were put into captivity because they offered up and because they worshipped other gods. So Paul tells, or Peter tells us here in verse 15, remember, the Lord's, not, the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Gives people time to be saved. We, as we live in this life, in this time of not already, but not yet, we have to shine the light of God into this lost and dying world. Now, in this process, we don't beat them upside the head with the Bible. We do what we can to live a peaceful life. We, we've been in this pandemic for eight, nine months now. And there's people that still struggle with masks. On whether or not you should wear one or you shouldn't wear one. I'm not telling you which way to go. I'm just telling you that we should be on. We should be beyond the struggles with it. And as peaceful people, we are supposed to be loving everyone. Regardless of what they're doing. Regardless if they wear a mask or they don't wear a mask. We're supposed to be about peace. About shining the light into the darkness. We're supposed to be the ones that gives them hope. We're supposed to be the ones that show them the peace that passes all understanding. Right? You know, now, whenever I think of this and whenever I read this, I normally think about the peace that God gives us. And he says that it's not like the peace that the world gives. I'm like, so in other words, this is peace that he gives to us that we always have and he never takes it back from us. Well, yes and no. He never takes that peace away from us. But the peace that he's talking about is different because it's different in two stages. Number one, it's his peace that he gives to us. 
And the peace that he gives to us is something that he does not take away from us. But it's also a peace that has no strings attached to it. A worldly peace would be a peace as in you sign this peace treaty so that you don't die. Right? Uh, Let's think about the wars that we've had as the United States. We have signed a peace treaty. And those peace treaties were signed so that the war would stop. So that we would stop killing the other people. That is not the peace that Jesus gives to us. It's not a peace that he gives to us and he says, okay, you either take this peace or you die. Or if you don't do this, then you don't receive this peace. Right? I see eyes. I don't have my glasses on, so I kind of see eyes. They're a little fuzzy. I'm going to put my glasses on so I can truly see your faces. Uh, you know, because I think that you've missed this. Uh, you know, this is something that's true and that it's, it was different for me because I thought for many, many years that the peace that was being talked about here was a peace that was, not ever, that was never taken from me. But see, it goes further than that because it's a peace that doesn't have any strings attached to it. I don't have to sign anything to receive the peace from Jesus Christ. I don't get the peace from Jesus Christ because I have given my life over to Him so that I don't spend eternity in hell. It's like, whoo, I got this get out of jail free card. Oh, I got this. I'm not going to jail. I'm not going to hell because I have this card. I have Jesus Christ. That is not why we have peace. We have peace because He loves us. We have peace because He is our Lord and Savior. Yes, we have peace that's not going to be taken away from us. But it's not given to us or we don't receive it because something bad's not going to happen to me now. And see, that's the peace that we're supposed to be giving to everybody else. It's a peace that doesn't have strings attached to it. It's a peace that we just simply hold on to because we know of Jesus Christ. Now, real quickly, I want you to think back to the times and to the moments whenever stress was most prevalent in your life. And it's whenever you didn't have control. Or it's whenever you didn't have confidence in your ability to handle what was coming to you. It also could be because you don't have the knowledge as far as what's going to happen next. We don't have peace in our life because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But we do know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right? Jesus Christ is in control. We know that the battle has already been won. So if I wake up tomorrow breathing and I see the sunlight, praise the Lord, I get another day. 
If I wake up tomorrow and I'm in heaven and I'm being divided to the right or to the left, I know what's going to happen because I trust and I know in God's word. Our peace comes because we have confidence in what tomorrow is going to bring. Our tomorrow is not just in hope so. Our peace and our tomorrow is in I know so. I know that Jesus Christ is the true and the one and only Son of God. I know that over 2,000 years ago, He was born as a child in a manger. And that He lived on this earth for 33 and a half years and died on the cross a cruel death. Three days later, rose again and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Now let me take you back to Acts chapter 8. Because in Acts chapter 8, Stephen gives us this vision that he sees in heaven. And that vision that he sees in heaven is Jesus Christ. And the heavens are full of God's glory. Right? And Jesus is standing at the right hand of the throne. Stephen sees... The new heaven. Do you not see that? Do you not understand that? Do you not grab a hold to the magnitude of this? He sees the new heaven. Peter talks about the new heaven and the new earth. Stephen saw the new heaven. And then Peter invites... Those religious leaders, the Sadducees in there, he invites them to see this vision. And what do they do? They turn their back and they close their eyes. Today, today I offer up that same vision to you. To look into the heavens and to see the new heaven. To see Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, standing there next to the throne, ready to receive us. Because it's true. It's true. Let us stand. Every head bow and every eye, every head bow and every eye closed. I open up the altar to you this morning. I open up the chance for you to be able to see that vision of Peter and to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But today I offer up that peace that passes all understanding. That peace that we are called to. That we are supposed to be the light that shines into the darkness. The passage of scripture says that we are supposed to do everything we can to expedite this process. Of the return of Jesus Christ. And we do that. 
by sharing Him, by loving everyone in this world. And by being His light that shines out into the darkness. So as you pray this morning, the altar is open. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you, dear Lord, so much for today. I thank you for this service. I thank you for everything that you have done for us. God, I pray. God, I pray, dear Lord, that we would receive your peace in these days and times, dear Lord, of struggles. And God, that we would be your hands and feet in the light into the world. And God, that we would do everything that we can to live a peaceful life. In Jesus' name, amen.